Father, we just thank you once again this morning. Lord, we just worship you, we praise you. What an awesome God we serve, Lord. This morning, once again, we, Father, we just abandon ourselves on the spirit of the living God. For without you, we acknowledge we can do nothing. All the words of man, all the clever thoughts and the, and the, and the ideas that we may be having, oh Father, is absolutely useless. Even in understanding your word, clever ideas of men don't work. They will only deceive us. And for this morning, we ask you, Father, once again, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know you. That you would open the eyes of our understanding. That we might see the hope of our calling. We humble ourselves before you. We ask you, God, that you would speak to our hearts once again this morning. Continue to minister to us. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, that your word will continue to knock out every lie and every stronghold of the demon in our, you know, of demons in our hearts and our, and our minds, O oh Lord. Every lie from the pit of hell will be, will be driven, driven out by the Spirit of the living God. And Lord, that your word will find place in our hearts and in our minds. That you transform us in the, in the attitude of our mind. That we will truly begin to put on the new man, new man, which has been created in Christ Jesus in righteousness and pure holiness. To that end, I pray that you would, Lord, minister to us this morning. And Lord, that you would anoint us to understand your word and to speak and hear your word as well. We thank you, Father. We praise you. For in Jesus' name, Amen. We've been looking at deliverance, redemption, the story of redemption of the children of Israel. Out of Egypt into the promised land. Okay, that's what we looked at yesterday also. Four anchors, right? The moment I see the number four, I get excited. Not that I'm a numerologist, but the, <laughs> the Bible is also full of numbers. What is the significance of number four is a question that I was asking, but I don't want to go into the details of it because uh, people become superstitious and become clever. It's not the clever ideas of men, but there are four kinds of people I want to look at today for sure. Okay. Uh, but before I go there, I want to set the premise. The whole purpose of redemption and the goal of redemption is that we are delivered from serving ourselves, the world, and therefore the devil. And begin to serve God. True freedom is when we begin to serve God and not self. That is true freedom, right? Not self, no man, no idol. That is freedom. Freedom does not mean that we are free to do whatever we want. <laughs> That's not freedom. That's an illusion. See then, First Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 9. We looked at that last night. Um... For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had among you. When we say entry, where do we enter through generally? Through the gates, right? I, I like that, no? What manner of entry we had among you. That means you opened up your ear gates properly and then how you turned to God from idols. 
to serve uh, the living and the true God. That's what we looked at. The whole premise of the Bible in one sense is that we serve him and not self. First Peter chapter 2, we put it beautifully. Verse 15 and 16. First Peter chapter 2 verse 15 and 16. For this is the will of God. That by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. And he's going to define that because there's no full stop. What is there? There is a hyphen, if you will. So how do you do good and put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free? Okay, you're free people. Yet not using your liberty as a cloak for wickedness or vice, but as bond servants of God. Not just as servants of God, not as slaves of God, but Bond servants of God. There's a lot of difference. Who's a bond servant? A guy who's willingly offered himself to God. That is a person, that is a person who's truly a bond servant. And, and I'm, and the premise of the Bible is that the person who's the freest, if you will, if I can use that uh, superlative, is the person who's a bond servant. Right? That's what it says in Revelation chapter 1. You don't have to turn there. Uh, I'm bond servant and I'm speaking to bond servants. Yeah? So, and Jesus himself became a bond servant, willingly. That is true freedom. It, it might sound um, very ironic or contradictory, might sound, look like an oxymoron, but it is not. Okay. Bible is full of, like, full of ideas like that. You know. Purge out the old leaven, that you may be made a new lump. But indeed you are a new lump, he says. <laughs> Work out your salvation for with fear and trembling. For God is working in you to will and to obey. So it might look like, uh, not, not contradictions, basically kind of, there is a, there's two sides, alright? So, bond servants of God. But when you are truly a bond servant of God, that is when you really experience liberty and freedom. Okay. That is true freedom, true redemption. And this is a continuous process. Alright? We are redeemed and we are continuously being redeemed. You understand? Okay, so no, no, at no point in our life we will stop. And uh, it's a very interesting verse in First Peter chapter 1 verse 18. And it uses the word ransomed or redeemed which is the same. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible, corruptible things like silver or, silver or gold... From your aimless conduct received by tradition from your <laughs> or from your fathers you received what kind what kind of a conduct aimless conduct but the thing is no right from childhood what did what did our parents say have a aim in life but if you don't have that aim as God every other aim is aimless so, true redemption is forsaking our aims and our goals and our ends and putting God as our aim and His goals and His interests as our aims. Otherwise, it becomes what kind of a conduct? Aimless conduct. So, you'll be missing the mark and that's essentially what sin is, right? Sin is missing the mark. And you received it by tradition from your fathers. Or as <laughs> so, so very um, interesting uh, 
construction of words over there. Received by tradition from your fathers. And then, and the next verse, verse it says, but you've been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ as of lamb without spot or without blemish. So, no, what was the price for your redemption? It was a precious blood of Christ. Hmm? Therefore, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, and 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23, both are important. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have, whom you have from God and you are not your own? So that's what we says. He owns us, right? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Okay. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 23, you were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. So the true, true, true um, freedom, if you will, is when you become a bond slave of Christ, bond slave of Jesus Christ, bond servant of Christ, when you truly willingly from your heart offer yourself to God. You will truly experience that. That is a subjective thing, by the way. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And they say, no, 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 we are not under bondage to anybody. Right from childhood, we have become, we were children of Abraham. And he says, if you are a, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever. But who does? A son does. Okay. That's the whole idea. A bond servant is truly a son, essentially. Okay. That's what we have been looking at. So Israel is my, what? Firstborn. Let him go so that he may serve me. He's my son and therefore he has to serve his father. He has to look for his father's interests, not anybody else's. <clears throat> so that is when you really, really are free. And, and and when you are working for your father and if your father owns a business, you don't work for money, do you? Right? Father's interests are your interests. You... No, I think the only people who don't have to check their bank account every the, after the end of every month is a person who is a son. All the other people, they are employees. They are all on hire. Okay. Uh, for a son, he doesn't have to worry about his paycheck. Think about that. Think about that. That's amazing. That's an experience, by the way. Hmm? All right. So we'll look at one redemption song where we have um, four kinds of people. One of my favorite psalms too. And I don't know, I was I was like, I like this psalm so much that I just wanted to study along with all of us, okay. And there's a song which talks about redemptions of, four kinds of redemptions, of course, of four kinds of people. Why do they get into bondage and how God redeems them? You know, it's some psalm. Psalm 107, yes. Let's go to Psalm 107 today. And we look at four kinds of people. Four kinds of redemptions and redemptions uh, that we need. And all of us are at different levels. We can put ourselves into this category, okay? So look at this psalm and let's enjoy it. Okay, let's move on. Let's read from verse 1 onwards, okay? Oh, give thanks to the Lord for His good, for His mercy Endures is something which is uh, added by the the translators. The original Hebrew is not there. Okay, let's read it without endures. Okay, 
Oh, give thanks to the Lord for His good, for His mercy forever. I like that. <laughs> Let the redeemed, ah, we see that now. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. He has redeemed. And gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. Of course, this is um, possibly talking about uh, Israelites who were uh, driven away into captivity to different, different places uh, because of in the diaspora. And God brings them all to back to the promised land and makes them build the Temple against, possibly. I don't know. Uh, there, there could be one of the reasons, one of the connotations or one of the lessons over here. We don't know exactly. But um, God redeemed them from 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 where? From the hand of the enemy. He literally ransomed them. He paid a price for them and he brought them out from the hand of the enemy. So this is essentially the song of Israel because they were also brought out from the hand of the enemy. So now he's going to describe. Four kinds of people. Alright. Let us see who are the, who these four kinds of people are. And let's read from verse 4 and to 4 to, uh, to, 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 yeah, 4 to, yeah, 8. 4 to 8 will be the first set. Okay. 4 to 8 will be the first set. Oh boy, this is first set of people, okay? They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Till 8 we'll read and then we'll come back, okay? Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from all their distresses. By the way, the word distresses comes four times here and delivered also comes four times over here because they're talking about four kinds of people and they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. That phrase also comes how many times? Four times here, okay? So they cried out to the Lord in their trouble but the problem is so many people don't cry out because they don't recognize that the fact that they are in what? Distress and in trouble. Okay, let's see. And he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Oh, wow. That's the first set of people I want to look at. Let's go back to verse 4. Let's go back to verses 4 onwards. Let's see. Then they wandered. They wandered in the, you know, in the wilderness in a desolate way. The word for wander is to go astray, to get seduced, to err. You know, remember that the Sadducees come to Jesus and he says, all that parable that they put to Jesus, the, the not a parable, a riddle or a puzzle. And Jesus says, what? You err because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God. But, well, uh, we will not look at the old new covenant, we will look at the new New testament, I mean, old testament itself. Why do people wander, or why do they err, and why do they go astray? What are the reasons? Okay, why why do we wander, or why do we go astray, or why do we err, or why do we get seduced? Okay, like uh, like Paul says, I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. I have espoused you to one husband so that, that I might present you as a chaste virgin to Jesus Christ. But lest Satan comes to Eve and as Satan came to Eve and seduced Eve through his craftiness that you would be led astray from your pure and your sincere devotion to Christ. I am scared, he says. So why do people err? What is the reason why people err? 
one of the reasons. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 16. For the leaders of this people call them to, cause them to err. And those who are led by them are the leaders. And sometimes what kind of leaders, right? What kind of leaders? 3.12 of Isaiah. As for my people, (laughs) children are their oppressors and who rule over them? Women rule over them. Oh my people, those who lead you have caused you to error. Now, you can look at it in different points. In other words, people in in, in this particular situation, I, I believe it's because people are supposed to lead have lost their what do you say? Um, their sense of leader. I mean, since it's like it's like this, no? They have they have lost their authority in some sense. Okay. See, because authority is something which is given to protect and not to rule over, and they have lost their position there for with, for whatever reason. We'll come back to that later on. Hmm? Another verse, Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 6, Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 6, look at what it says, my people have have been what sheep, lost sheep, their shepherds have led them astray, okay, very important, who leads them astray, the shepherds or the people who are supposed to feed them with the word of God, they fed them something absolutely nonsense and what has happened over a period of time they have been led astray they have turned them away on the mountains they have gone from mountain to hill they have forgotten what their resting place they've forgotten their resting place and where is their resting place in christ and they've gone away from christ and again 2332 jeremiah Behold, I'm against those who prophesy false dreams, says the Lord, and tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their lightness, it says in one translation, recklessness or lightness. Yet I did not send them or command them, therefore they shall not profit this people at all, says the Lord. See, we should all be interested in profit. What kind of profit? Eternal profit. Okay, if our, if, if in this life only we have hope in Christ Jesus of all the people will be most miserable. So we should all be people who are very good business mind. We should be Marwadi spiritually. I mean, I, I was open to one guy, you know, the, uh, recently our, we have a Kirana store in our, in our colony. The coronavirus started and this guy bought a, brought a bunch of sanitizers in his store, shop. And masks. He's got like two, two, three bundles of masks. Then I looked at him and I said, Yaar, isko bolte marwadi ka dimaag. And he started laughing. Kya saab, I said, And these are all people who are looking for profit, Baba. We should also be spiritually that way. What should we look for? Profit eternally. Not here. Okay, that is really a man who is really intelligent. Spiritually, he is able to look at 
Look at prophet, eternal prophets. Okay, we have not forsaken God for nothing. Ultimately, we will gain Him only. Okay, otherwise, if you are only looking for profit on this life, that is not true wisdom. That is not intelligence. So, who causes them to err? People cause them to err. And sometimes, you know, we can say point fingers and say, oh, all my leaders are like that. Now, I'll tell you something. Hmm. I'll show you a verse. Now, turn to Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 30 and 31. Look at this. Sometimes we also have to take personal responsibility. There is tremendous responsibility. Look at this. An astonishing and a horrible thing has happened, has been committed in the land. What is that? An astonishing and a horrible thing has committed in the land. And this is Jesus. I mean, God himself is astonished at this situation. And in what he says, the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule by their own power and my... Oh, my people love it. Oh. So don't keep pointing fingers at us. You are also responsible because we get the rulers after our own heart. Not after God's own heart. We should ask God, God, give me a ruler after your own heart. Jeremiah chapter 3. And I want you to put it in KJV. Jeremiah chapter 3 verses 14, 15 and 16. If you do, if you will please. 14, 15 and 16 in KJV. Turn, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. And I will take you one of a city, two from a family. And I will bring you to Zion. And I will give you pastors. What? How? According to my own heart, which will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And it shall come to pass when you be multiplied increase in the land. In those days, says the Lord, they shall no more, uh, they shall say no more the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Neither shall it, shall it come to me, come to their mind. Neither shall they remember it. Neither shall they visit it. Neither shall that be done anymore. Because ultimately the good shepherd himself will come. He's, he will be the ultimate ark of the covenant. Okay. So what is the whole whole point? We should not say, oh, we get pastors after, if you say, God give me a pastor according to your own, your heart, God will give us. We will get ultimately the ruler after, and even if you go to a true prophet with an idol in our heart, Ezekiel says, I the Lord will deceive the prophet, and I will answer you according to the idol in your heart. So be very careful. So ask God, no, say, Lord, why do we go astray? We go astray in our heart first. We go astray in our heart. Hebrews chapter 3. We looked at that so many times once again. Hmm? Uh, Verse 10. Therefore I was grieved with that generation and said they always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. Therefore I swore in my heart that they shall not enter into my rest. They go astray where? In your heart. Okay. So, say God, give me a shepherd after your own heart. That's exactly what Lord should have told Abraham. Or Abraham, choose for yourself. Oh, I know I see pastures over there, but you choose for me. Okay. I don't know. I can't choose for myself. I am... I'm brutish, I'm stupid. Please, you choose for me a man who will direct me. A man, you are a man of wisdom. You direct me. Because we have to. That, that is the reason why Psalm, Isaiah 53 will say, very interesting, verse 6, Isaiah 53, verse 6. What, what does it say? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own way. 
and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. We are all, we are all personally responsible for our own actions. We are responsible for the leaders that we have. That is the reason why I said, you know, the children have become oppressors and women rule over them because we have not taken the positions of leadership in our own home. We have not become spiritual leaders in our own, own home. We don't have the capacity to rule spiritually because we do not come under the authority of Christ. We have not submitted ourselves to godly order in our lives and therefore women rule. And when women rule, what, what happens the result? Children become oppressors. Rebellion in homes. Why? Because we, like pastor was saying now, the whole idea or the whole entire world system is to fight with the patriarchy because God is a father. Woman is ruling. And children become oppressors. And we wonder why? Why this has happened? I want to give you an example as to how people are responsible for getting the leaders. Even if God gives them a good leader, they mess it up. I want you to turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 42, please. And I want to look at a very interesting episode over here. Okay, We will look at the whole chapter, but not in detail. But I'll give you the context. Now, let me give you the context. This is after... The two raids happen. The first raid has happened. Some people have taken, have been taken away captive to Babylon, uh, and uh, the king doesn't listen. And uh, Jeremiah says, "Please submit yourself to the Babylonian uh, captivity." <clears throat> God has decreed that everybody will go into captivity, but you know the king doesn't listen. And ultimately, uh, Nebuchadnezzar comes and he and he takes a lo- he comes and destroys uh, Jerusalem. He takes every everybody to captivity to Babylon, and a few people he leaves, where. In Jerusalem. And he tells them, stay here, don't go anywhere. Okay. Initially he said, don't stay here, come under Babylonian captivity. Now he, now he says, stay here, don't go anywhere. You understand? It's like, you know, um, it's like this, no? Uh, the children of Israel say, go to, go, uh, he tells the children of Israel, go and possess the promised land. And after that, they come back and they say, no, 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 we don't want to go. There are so many giants over there. And it's okay, fine. Now, you are not going into the promised land. Stay here in the wilderness. Then they say, no, 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 we'll go. Finished, gone. See, there's a time period. Mm-hmm. Within the time period, no? For example, husband, you, a man and a woman should not become one before they get married. Now, after they get married, what was forbidden? They should be one. And they should come together as often as possible, it says in the Bible. And if you do not do that, you are breaking the commandment. You see? And, you see, these are things that you need to understand. And then, so, so something, something very interesting happens over here. Um, that a bunch of people are left, uh, left in Jerusalem and most of them are poor peasants and not very, uh, they're not, like, uh, like, uh, the Babylonians come and take the best of the lot. Like all the, the nobles and everybody has gone. All the educated, all the scientists and everybody has gone to, uh, gone to Babylon. Hmm? And uh, not the very, not very prominent people in the society are kept back in Jerusalem. Now this is what happens. Then all the captains of the forces and Johanan, the son of Karea, and Jezaniah, the son of Hoshiah, and all the people from the least even to the greatest came near. Where did they come to? And they said to Jeremiah and the prophet, let me beseech thee, uh, this is in KJV. Uh, just normal, okay. 
we can do it in KJV, but okay. answer to Jeremiah the prophet, please let our petition be acceptable to you. Pray for us to the Lord. Ah, defeat. Pray for us to the Lord your God for all this remnant, since we are left but a few of many as we can see. That the Lord your God may show us the way in which we should walk and the thing we should do. Let's go. Then Jeremiah the prophet said to them, I have heard indeed, I will pray to the Lord your God according to your words and it shall be that whatever the Lord answers you, I will declare it to you. I will keep nothing back from you. The good, the bad and the ugly completely. That is is Jeremiah the prophet. Okay, that's his nature. That's his his call that he will not uh, mince words and he will completely give the whole counsel of God. Next, go on. So they said to Jeremiah, let the Lord be true And faithful witness between us. If we do not do according to everything which the Lord your God sends us by you. Whatever is pleasing or displeasing. We will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom you, whom we send you. That we may be, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. Boy! And when you look at this kind of a congregation, the prophet is so happy. I wish my, all the people in my congregation are like this. Whatever the Lord says, they say that they are going to obey. No, we know what is going to happen next. And it happened after 10 days that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. What is 10? Judgment. Okay. 10 days kabad, now their hearts is going to be judged. Then he called Johanan, the son of Kariah, all the captains of the forces which were with him and all the people from the least even to the greatest. He brought all of them together and said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel to whom you sent me to present your petition before him. I didn't ask, you came. Hmm? If you will still remain in this land. No, you don't go. What did I say then? Don't be, don't stay in this land. Go to Babylon. Build your houses over there because the, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future and expectation. If you come under the discipline of God and go to Babylon. Now, what am I saying? Don't go to Babylon. Don't go to Egypt. Stay here. You see, you should, that is the reason why continuous hearing from God is important. You understand what I'm saying? Continuously hearing from God is so, so, so important. You cannot rely on yesterday's hearing. Today you need to hear afresh from God. So what happens? Verse 10, if you will still remain in this land. My goodness, they are saying, oh, remain in this land? How come this guy said, uh, go to Babylon the last time? Maybe they already made a decision as to where to go and they are wanting the confirmation from the prophet. But the prophet is coming and telling them something totally contrary because that is faith. And if you do not walk by faith, you go astray. Unbelief leads you astray. So if you will still remain in this land, then I will build you. I will not pull you down. Oh, I will plant you. I will not pluck you up. For I relent concerning the disaster that I have brought upon you. This is God himself saying. And then what happened? Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid. Do not be afraid of him. It is fear. Says the Lord, for I am with you to save you, to deliver you from his hand, and I will show mercy, show you mercy that he may have mercy on you and cause you to return to your own land. What am I saying? I'm saying, stay here. And I will have mercy. But if you say, we will not dwell in this land, disobeying the voice of 
the Lord your God. Saying, no. But we will go. Are, how do you know? That is prophet. He knows everything. But we will go to the land of Egypt. Where we shall see no war. Nor hear the sound of the trumpet. Nor be hungry for bread. And there we will dwell. And look at what he says. Then hear now the word of the Lord. O remnant of Judah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. If you will wholly set your faces to enter Egypt and go to dwell there, then it shall be that the sword which you feared shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt and famine which you were afraid shall follow close after you there in Egypt and there you shall die. And he makes some fantastic statements. Okay, So shall it be with, uh, with all the men who set their faces to go to Egypt. To dwell there. That means their faces are set. It's like Jesus set his face like a flint to go towards Jerusalem. These fellows' flint uh, faces are set like flint to go towards Egypt. They've already made up the decision. And what are, what are they asking the prophet to second that decision? And God says, no. They shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. And none of them shall remain or escape from the disaster that I will bring upon you. And verse 18. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as my anger and my fury has been poured out on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so will my fury be poured out on you when you enter into Egypt. And you shall be an oath and an astonishment, a curse and a reproach, and you shall see this place no more. And verse 19, look at this verse very carefully. The Lord has said concerning you, O remnant of Judah, do not go to Egypt. Know certainly that I have admonished you this day. Okay, look at this. For you were hypocrites in your hearts. Look at this, look at this, okay? For you were hypocrites when in your hearts when you sent me to inquire the Lord your God. Saying, pray for us to the Lord our God and according to all that our Lord your God says, so we declare to us and we will do it. That means we already know. And then verse 21. And I have this day declared to you, but you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord. He already says that you are not obeying the voice of the Lord your God or anything uh, which he has sent you to uh, sent you to by me now therefore know certainly that you shall die by the sword by the famine by the pestilence in the place where you desire to go and dwell and you know what happens you know what happens next verse next chapter 43 verse 1 Now it happened when Jeremiah had stopped speaking to all the people, all the words of the Lord their God, for which the Lord their God has sent him to them all these words. What happened next verse? And Azariah the son of Hosiah, Johanan the son of Kerah, and all the proud men spoke saying, you speak falsely. You see that? Immediately they go astray and they begin to wander. That's what happens to all of us. Whatever the Lord says we will do. But when the message comes, we don't want to take charge. We don't. We don't want to uh, take action. We all. We want somebody to second the decision that we have already taken. Don't marry this person. If you marry this person, you will get into trouble. Oh, you are speaking falsely. I'm giving an example. Don't take this loan. If you take this loan. You'll get into trouble. No. The Lord has clearly told me. Don't go this, to this place. If you go to this place, there's only trouble. No. 
You have already made up a decision. And you will err. And therefore, what happens to them? Go back to Psalm 107 and verse 4. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. What did they not find? City. That means what? They have lost all protection spiritually. Their spiritual defenses are gone. You know something, the sons of Korah say something very interesting. Sums of Korah in Psalm 48. Let's read from verse 1. Verses 1 to 6 first. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. <laughs> There's no dwelling city unless, un, until you come to the city of your God. In his holy mountain. Beautiful in elevation. The joy of whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Who is the great king? Christ himself. God is in her palaces. He is known as her refuge. For behold, the kings assembled. They passed by together. And what did they want to do? They saw it and they were marveled. They were troubled. They hastened away. Fear took hold of them and pain as the woman in birth pangs. So they tried to attack it. They looked at it and they said, Baba, nobody can penetrate. Run for your life. And then what happens? Next verse. Verse 7. As when you break the ships of Tarshish with an east wind. As we have heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord of hosts. In the city of our God. God will establish it forever. Selah. Now you have to say, how is he going to establish it forever? Right? How does God establish this place forever? And the next verse. Verse 9. We have thought, O God, on your loving kindness in the midst of your temple. According to your name, O God, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of your judgments. Walk by Zion. Walk by and go all around her. Count her towers. And who are the towers? Who are the pillars? Who are the pillars? Mark well her bulwarks. Consider her palaces that you may tell it to the generation and to the following generation. For this is God, our refuge forever and ever. He will be our guide even to death is what your translation says. Forever and ever, I will is is what other translations will say. Now look at this. Mark well her bulwarks, or in other words, her pillars and her fortresses. Consider her palaces, that you may tell it to the generation following. Turn to Galatians chapter two. And verse. Uh, yeah, verse 8 and 9. Thank you. Yeah. For he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas and John who were, what? Seemed to be pillars perceived the grace that was given to me. Okay. Revelation chapter 3. 
Are you there? And verse uh, 12. He who overcomes, this is to the church in Philadelphia. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go out and see no more. So you see, the entire city of Jerusalem was made, if you look at the new Jerusalem, it had several foundations, 12 pillars. Who are the 12 pillars? 12 apostles and 12 gates. Who are the 12 gates? The 12 tribes of Judah. Okay. So what does gates and stand for teaching? The apostolic doctrine and the prophetic correction. That is your protection. So you wander away from that said, you, you wander away from the path set to you by your teachers. Where do you wander into? Into a desolate city, into a desolate way. And there is no city. You have lost your protection. Because this teaching is the one thing which protects your life. And you've lost it. You got that everybody? They found no city to dwell in. Okay. Proverbs chapter 25 verse 28. We know this very well. What does it say? Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down and without walls. There is no dwelling city for them. So, let's go back now to Psalm 107. And verse 4, they wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. And what happens to them? Their souls, it says, next verse. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. It's not their body, it's their soul. What Their soul was craving for something spiritual. There is so much of teaching these days. So much of teaching. Okay. And many of the teaching is good. Okay. But why is it important for us to be accountable to someone? So many. You see, when you listen to some people online, They could be, you could be, you can be, you can be, listen, you can, you know, you can get encouraged, you can be strengthened, etc., etc., etc. Oh, lot of things, you are, you're, you might really uh, get knowledge about the word of God, etc. But they are still not accountable to you, you know that? You need to find people who will, who, whom, who will be accountable for your soul. Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 17. This is talking about a setup which is godly and has godly teachers, etc. Obey those who have, who rule over you that you may be and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. You understand? They must give an account. A lot of other teaching. Okay. They may they, they, they're just okay, fine, take it and take it or leave it. Become a good Berean, they will say. Go and search the scriptures to see whatever I'm teaching is true or not, they will say. But that is the reason why coming under 
leadership is so important. Okay? I'm, I'm talking about a, a proper setting where you have a godly mentorship, etc. And you coming under that is so important for us. So what happens to them? Chapter 107 of Psalm. And verse um, 4 and 5. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them out of all their distresses. And how did he deliver them? What kind of deliverance did they brought in their life? Next verse. And he led them forth first in the right way. He took them to a city for a dwelling place. That's what he did. That is what ultimate deliverance is. That he takes you out of a place where you are wandering and your soul is thirsty and famished. And he brings you onto the right way and to a city where you can dwell in, where you are protected by walls and bulwarks, where you have walls around you, you have a, a wall of teaching around you, so that you will be protected and you will not wander anymore. That will be a safe and a secure dwelling place for you. That is what ultimate redemption is, right? That from place of wandering, God brings you back, brings you out of all those wanderings and brings you to a dwelling place by leading you through the right way. And you can dwell there. It is just not important to be delivered. It is important to keep your deliverance. That you dwell in this place. Dwell. John's Gospel chapter 15 verses 4 to 10. What does it say? Abide in me. You see that? And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in me, in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. That is the reason why Paul says, you are God's field, you are God's building. As a wise master builder, I laid the foundations. And the church is built upon the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. So what is the what is the first level of redemption for the for people who are wandering? There are so many wanderers. That's what I told you, right? There are fugitives, there are wanderers, and there are pilgrims. Fugitives are people who are running away. That is a prodigal son, and finally he comes to his senses, thankfully. And there are some people who have wandered. They've gone astray. They have erred. Erred. Because they have set their minds on their hearts. Their hearts and their minds on one particular thing and they will not listen. And God says, okay, fine, go. And then in their trouble they cry out. I hope they cry out. Not not many people really cry out. Yeah. And verse 7, 8 of 107. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works for the children of men 
And then he says, verse 9, look at this. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry with goodness. That is the reason why he says, like sin, like newborn children, Crave for the pure milk of the word of God so that you may grow up into this in your salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Grow. And I hope in these 40 days that your soul gets strengthened, fattened. Okay. All of our souls. Because there is a salvation of our soul, right? And we have to work out our salvation, especially the salvation of our soul. And how do we do it? By the renewal of our mind, by the washing of water by the word. Aligning our thought processes. So what is the one thing which which I want you want us to all to listen or take away from this particular first set of people? If you have erred, you know why you have erred? First of all, first reason you have erred is because you already set your mind in one direction. Take responsibility. Come back. Humble yourself. You see, just because you are poor and weak in your body doesn't mean that you are humble. That's what happened to these fellows. God, I mean, God took all the uh, very educated and strong people to Babylon. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar took all those people to Babylon. But it's interesting that some of the most intelligent people, at, or at least uh, who are well-educated, are people who are what? Humble. <laughs> Whereas these people, all their defenses are gone, they're weak, and they're, they're, they're the, kind, the people who are the weakest in the society, and Nebuchadnezzar leaves them there, and what happens? God says you are proud. Why, do, why are you proud? Because you have already set yourself in one particular direction. So just because you see people who are impoverished don't ever think that they are humble. No. Okay. Humility is a state of your heart. How to hum, you should be humble in your heart first. That's the reason why he says... Turn with me to First uh, uh, Peter chapter 3. If you can put it in ESV, please. First Peter chapter 3, verse 8. ESV, okay? Finally, all of you, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, tender heart, and a humble mind. You see that? It's a state of your mind. Humble mind. Let this mind be in you. Which was also where? In Christ Jesus. He humbled himself. So humble. Humble yourself. But you erred. You were bent upon your ways. And you went astray. Because you already, uh, you know, decided what you wanted to do and you were looking for uh, teachers who would second you. That's rebellion. Come back. Come back. And what will happen is over a period of time, your soul will become famished. These people cried out. Not many people will actually cry out. Very few. That is the reason why it says, no, 
narrow is the gate that leads to life and how many people few people will find it so let us be found among those few okay so that is true redemption when you really really you know what you are protected in the boundaries of good teaching where people are accountable to you and you are accountable to them you are protected you might feel restricted but you are protected okay and over a period of time you consistently stay there over a period of time you'll see how god will work through your life and you'll find your purpose god will use you mightily but stay okay people will become impatient then they run <laughs> don't become impatient stay don't become a wanderer be a pilgrim amen so let's go to the second set of people now let the redeemed of the lord say so okay let's go to the next verse verse 10 onwards those who sat in darkness in the shadow of death why bound in affliction and in irons bound where in their minds primarily why did they were bound in their affliction and in their and irons baba next verse because they rebelled against the words of the lord and despised the counsel of the most high see that's a very that is the reason why it says in one psalm 138 i have exalted my word above all my name the counsel of the most high where do you find the term most high we know very well the first time l l o l l l o n l l o n genesis chapter 14 where Melchizedek is um, Abraham meets Melchizedek the priest of the most high god before he confronts the uh, or rather uh, Bera the king of Sodom confronts him he is intercepted if you will by the priest of the most high god and he blesses him the priest of the most high god there is a council of the most high so that is the reason why in, in second corinthians chapter 10 it will say bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ Jesus and every thought which exalts itself bring it down because there's only one counsel which stands that is the reason why he says my ways are not your ways my thoughts are not your thoughts as the heaven is high above the earth so great my ways are my ways and my thoughts are like that okay there's a counsel of the most high okay and because they rebelled against against the counsel of the most high what happened to them was in verse 10 in verse 10 what happened to them they are bound in affliction and in irons remember that song right uh, long my imprisoned spirit lay fast bound in sin and nature's night fast bound in sin dying i diffused the quickening ray i woke the dungeon filled with light my chains fell off my heart was free i rose went forth and followed the amazing love how can it be that thou my god should stay for me what a song fast bound in sin and nature's night some sat in darkness in the shadow of death prisoners in affliction and irons for they rebelled the against the words of the of god and spurned the counsel of the most high this which translation is this 
ESV, okay. Some sat in darkness and in the shadows of death. Prisoners in affliction and in irons. Why? Simply because they despised and rebelled the words of God and the counsel of the Most High. I want to look at one example. You know it very well. Josh, not Joshua, Judges chapter 16. Who is this way? Who rebelled against the counsel of the, of the Most High? <laughs> Remarkable, isn't it? Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. This is his problem, Baba. Guy who is supposed to be set apart from his birth. Misses his life and misses his anointing. When the Gazites were told, Samson had come near, come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night and the at the gate of the city, they were quiet all night saying, in the morning, when it is daylight, we will kill him. Samson lay low till midnight, then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gates of the city and the two gate posts, pulled them up, bar and all, Put them in his shoulders and carry them to the top of the hill, top of the hill to the faces of Hebron. This is a total waste of energy and anointing. Slept, sleeps with the harlot, gets up in the middle of the night, take the bars and goes. All show. After what had happened, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek. You know what Sorek means? Places of choice, wine. Wine, wine. Okay. And he loved a woman whose name was, you know, it comes from the Hebrew word dalal. Malum hai na, dalal kar diya. Dalal kar diya ka matlab kya hai? Pura empty. He's emptied you. I know so many, not so many, at least I know one, one guy for sure. Dalal ho gaya ho. With one Dalaila. Uska naam Dalal hai. What are you? My name is Dalal. I think that is the reason why uh, they call uh, Bombay Stock Exchange what street? Dalal street. Pura Dalal kar dete ho vahan par. Pura, pura paisa ka satyanas. Because of your riches. That seduction. It, it says it's, it's so rich for you. What is it? Sorek means choice wines. You'll get it. But the name is what? Dalaila. Dalal Street. I know one person who came here last two years back, if I'm right. Two years back, yeah. Two years back. Two, two or three years, three years back. Some girl met him online and said, I love you, whatever. And he got into a relationship with her. And he said, she said, you know what, I'm having a lot of problems here and there and please can you help me with some money. He emptied his bank account and gave it to her. Uske baad, parar, tata, ho gaya, dalal. And look at the words of this dalal. She is very clear as to what her agenda is. The lords of the Philistines come to her and said to her, entice him and find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him and every one of us will give you 1100 pieces of silver. What? 
Every one of us, how many lords you have? How many lords of the Philistines? Five lords of the Philistines. Five to eleven hundred. Fifty-five hundred pieces of silver. You know. Delilah came to Samson and said, Please tell me where your great strength lies and with what may I bind you and afflict you. Can you imagine this lady? This fellow is totally gone. How can I empty your bank account, please? Can you tell me your PIN account number, please? ATM ka number bata de, please. How can I steal from you? I'm just joking, okay? Do you think I'll do it? No. She's very clear over here. Samson said to her, if you bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. No, somebody told me, I, mean, I think it was Paul Washington in one of his sermons, he was, he was mentioning this. Do you think Samson was a guy who had a six pack? With muscles and all? No, he looked like any other ordinary fellow. The reason why he had strength was because of the anointing. What we see in, uh, in children's Bible, with those muscles and all is, is only for a depiction. But I don't, but I don't, I don't think the strength was in his muscles. The strength was because of the anointing over his life. And the anointing was given to him because he had a symbol of separation over his head, over his, over his, over his head. What? The symbol of separation was what? Long hair. And what was a Nazarite vow? That was a counsel of God. A Nazarite was a guy who said, you know what, I am separate unto the Lord. And you should see the kind of uh, strict rules for a Nazarite. You should not touch any carcass or a dead person. or. A, but this guy never cared about any of those things. Right from the beginning, he despised his vow as a Nazarite. Samson said to her, if they bind me with seven bowstrings and not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. And you know what he said next verse? So the lots of the Philistines brought up her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound it with him. Now where the men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room, and she said, where, 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 where? Staying with her in the room, and she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. This guy is so blinded. And he broke the bronze strings. As a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Well, next time. Then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you have mocked me and told me. How many times? Lies. The second time now. Now please tell me with what am I bind you. So he said to her, Secure me with ropes. Then I will become weak. Like any other man. Next, she does the same thing. The Philistines are lying in wait, Samson, Delilah, until now. And then he breaks and goes. Same pattern continues, right? Look at the verse um, 15, if I'm right. Hmm. 15, three times she, she finishes, no? Three times she messes it up. How can I say you love me when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these, how many times? Ah. The fourth time, ho gaya iska kaam. I told you, no, number four. And I have not told me where your great, great strength lies. And it came to pass, she pestered him daily with her words. Pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. Warning. One of the verses which scares me the most in the Bible. 
Proverbs chapter 22 verse 14. <coughs> Look at it in different translations. 14. The mouth of an immoral woman is a deep pit. He who is abhorred by the Lord will fall into it. If you have fallen into uh, immoral woman's harms, that means you are a guy who is basically abhorred by the Lord. Just what this verse says. Next, another translation, maybe you can put it in NLT. The mouth of an immoral woman is NLT. NLT, right? Uh, the mouth of an immoral woman is a deep pit. Those living under the Lord's displeasure will fall into it. Your ways are displeasing to God. So, Samson, <coughs> what did I call you to be and what have you become? You are despising the words of God and you have rejected the counsel of the Most High. You are bent upon your ways. And what will happen to you? Now you will be bound with iron and with brass. Okay, this is ESV. The mouth of the forbidden woman is a deep pit. <clears throat> he with whom the Lord is angry will fall into it. Boy! That's enough. I think that is sufficiently scary. I, this is too much. I don't want to read it, okay? Because it will we'll lose a little hope. Or maybe you should read Okay, so some verses in the Bible are, cra- you know, who actually uh, uh, um, brought this verse to attention for the first time in my life? Pastor Vijay James, remember? When he came to GSS, the last Bible study he took, this verse, he mentioned this verse, and this verse stuck to my mind and it wouldn't go. I can remember, remember, whenever I look, when I read the Bible and I come across this verse, I remember Pastor Vijay James, the last words of a man of God before he went home to be with the Lord. To me. There's Vijay and there's James. <laughs> so it's like literally Vijay, if you want to be like James, better take this verse to uh, heart, okay? <laughs> Mouth of an adulterous woman is a deep pit. He who is abhorred of the Lord will fall into it. Angry of the Lord will fall into it. Oh boy. After that, so literally, what is happening? He has displeased God over and over and over and over and he mocked the anointing of God over his life. Despise the counsel of the Most High. It's amazing how God shows him mercy. Huh? The grace of God. That is the reason that the sovereignty of God is too much. He has mercy on whom? He has mercy and he, whom he hardens, he hardens. Nobody can say, why have you done this? Who are you, O man? What should we do? Zip our mouth and just accept the word and say, Lord, keep me humble. Have mercy upon me. That's all I want. Okay. Don't take away your, your mercy from my life. So what happens to Samson? Verse 18. And verse 17, verse 17, verse 17, verse 17, verse 17. This is crazy. And he told her all his heart and said to her, no razor has ever come upon my head for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I'm shaven, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Now she knows, Dalal knows. Dalal kar diya isko 
मेरा मुट्ठी में है एम डी आई कैन इंपॉवरेशन कंप्लीटली नो वॉज एटीन वेन डलाला सॉ दट ही टोल्ड हर ऑल हिज हार्ट शी सेंट एंड कॉल ऑफर दल लॉर्ड्स come up once more for he has told me all his heart now she knows very very nice very well so the lords of the philistines came up to her and brought her the money in their hand no they they also know achieve kar li bandi honey trap ka success ho gaya abhi and she lulled him to sleep on her knees you see that you see the hatred of the enemy he could have taken a stone and killed her right right there no but no she wouldn't do that she wants to mock him you know wants to uh, what do you say mock him and take away make him a byword and a proverb if you will in biblical language she lulled him to sleep on her knees called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head seven complete completion or 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 stands were anointing seven gifts sevenfold holy spirit right remember seven what is the most important is the fear of the lord which holds all those things together and he lost it right then it was just a matter of time then she began to torment him and his strength left him then what happened and she said philistines are upon you samson so he awoke from his sleep and said to her i will go uh, and he said i will set i will go out as before at other times and shake myself free but he did not know that the lord had departed from him over then what happened philistines took him put out his eyes is actually a very soft translation you know what the original translation says bored his eyes you can imagine that the hatred of the philistines bored his eyes lost his sight brought him down to gaza bound him with bronze fetters exactly what happened right in psalm 107 bound him with affliction and the irons chains and he became a grinder in prison and then what happened however the hair of his head began to grow again after he had been shaven i like that now in that meaning literally like i think i was listening to pastor carter caller in the morning just by chance i just you know i was just, just listening for 9 minute clip you know what he said he said we are all under chains now and god has put put us under chains you know why because we have lost our sense of separation from the world and we have become as as the world literally we have lost our sense of separation and you know what god has done he's put us all in lockdown hoping and praying that our hair will come back what is it it's a mark of our separation i said wow and hopefully in this lockdown that you'll put away all this nonsense and let your mark of separation come back 
so that you can get that anointing back. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, our God has delivered into our hands. And you know the story. He breaks the chains. In his distress, he calls out to the Lord. Let's go back to Psalm 107. Therefore, and verse, yeah, 10, yeah, verse 12, 11 and 10, yeah. Um, therefore, he brought down their heart with, down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Who brought it down? God. Hoping that, verse 13. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them out of all their distresses. How? He brought them out of darkness. That means what? He gave them their sight back. And the shadow of death. And broke the chains that bound them. Broke the chains that bound them. So that now they can use their strength to free the others, others who are bound. I think that's exactly what happened, right? Pastor's favorite, Acts chapter 16, you don't have to turn there. Paul and Silas in prison. <laughs> Everybody is bound. You know why they're bound? Because they despise the counsel of the Most High. Only two people, they are bound physically, but they are not bound in their hearts. And they begin to sing. Light comes. Overpowers them. That is the reason why I like that song, no? That part. Long my imprisoned spirit lay. <laughs> Fast bound in sin and nature's night. I like that. Nature's night. Thine I diffused the quickening ray. I woke the dungeon filled with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose. Went forth and did what? I followed you. I began to serve you. What's the whole purpose of uh, salvation, as I said? To be delivered to serve him is the ultimate freedom. I rose, went forth and followed him. Amazing love, how can it be? That thou, my God, should die for me. And then it says, no condemnation now I dread. (laughs) Jesus and all In him is mine. Alive in him, my living head. And clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne. And claim the crown to Christ my own. Amazing love. How can it be? That thou my God should die for me. No more shackles, no more (laughs) chains, right? Thine eye diffused. That's the reason why as long as you are in darkness, you are bound. You are bound by shame. Exactly what happened to this, that lady. Five husbands, sixth she's living with. You know what God comes and says, you know what? You spoke the truth. You don't have to. You don't have to. And she brings it to light. And she's no longer ashamed. And she runs to the city. And she says, I know a man who has told me 
thing that I did. Can this be the Messiah? She's able to free an entire city. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Have you disobeyed God? And you have despised the counsel of the Most High? And because of that, have you been brought down low in your heart? Cry out to God. And he will set light his word. Asatoma Sadgamaya. Tamasoma Jyotirgamaya. I like that. Tamasoma means tamasi. Tamasi means andhakaram. Ignorance. Jyotirgamaya. Mrutyorma, Mrutangamaya. Om Shanti Shanti. You know, once the movement, I was in the, it's, this is a, Incredible shloka actually in, 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 in Sanskrit. It, 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 this is what they are actually crying out to God. They are saying, Lord, I am in ignorance. Please show me light. Okay. I don't have truth. Please show me. Give me the truth. And if I don't have light and if I don't have truth, all that is left for me is death. Give me amrutam. Give me eternal life. And then I will have completion or peace or shanti. God says, I am the way, the truth and the life. In him was the life. And that life was the light of man. Behold, I am the light of the world. And he who comes, he walks, I mean, he who abides in me shall walk in the light and shall not, the darkness will not have any power over him. I love that verse in uh, in uh, John's Gospel chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 and 5. Look at that beautiful verse. All things were made by him. Verse 4. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And the next verse. KJV. 4 and 5. Look at this. Beautiful. In him. Uh, KJV. KJV. Uh, or maybe NKJV then? Yeah, yeah. ESV. Yes. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness and the darkness, what? Cannot Overpower it. Cannot overcome it. Cannot overcome. 8.12, John's Gospel. Jesus spoke and said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And what is that light? My words are spirit and life. You will have a revelation about me. Greater and greater revelation about who I truly am. And once you start obeying me and following me, you know what will happen? That you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you freer and freer and freer and all the bondage of sin will be broken in your life and progressively you will be released from the clutches of sin and you will be freed to follow me and to serve me. Don't despise my words. Don't despise my counsel. So what do you do? Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4, 5, 6 and 7. You know this very well. Over and over again we are looking at the same verses over and over again. 10 row, 10. Verse 4, 5 and 6. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments. And have every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every 
thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And being ready to say, he says next verse, and be ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. In other words, the moment your obedience is getting fulfilled and you see more disobedience, punish that fellow. Don't be satisfied. Okay. Uh, the light of the righteous is like the noonday, no? It shineth brighter and brighter even until the perfect day, right? Let's see that verse in Proverbs chapter Proverbs chapter 4 verse 18. The path of the righteous or the, or the just is like the shining sun. Okay, uh, maybe uh, it's in KJV is good. Yeah, KJ also. Okay. The path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. Is KJV, yeah? Yeah, KJV, KJV, brighter and brighter, okay. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day. So when you have, when, when, when there's a light of dawn, the shadow is long. And the light keeps on increasing, increasing, increasing. Like he says, right, Psalm 37 also uses the same thing. I'm going to make your justice like the noonday sun. But how is your justice going to, how is your vindication going to become like the noonday sun when more and more of your light and the less and less of your shadow? That is the reason why we need to have the fruit of light. What is that? Fruit of light. You know what fruit of light is, right? Greater and greater understanding of who God is. That is the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know who? Him. That's what, that's the whole idea. Okay, the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. Okay, let's go back now. Second deliverance over now. The fourth deliverance. The first deliverance is because we wandered. The second deliverance is because we despised. You know, everybody had got to do something with the word of God. Do you see that? And the third fellows also. <laughs> How does it start? Fools. Because of their transgression and because of their iniquity. It's a very interesting word. Fools. Who is a fool? Is a question. Comma question. Okay. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7. Let us define a fool. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction. They are fools. Second, Proverbs chapter 10 verse 14. Wise people store up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish <laughs> is near destruction. One is interested in storing up knowledge and the other guy is interested in destruction, near destruction. Uh, 12.15, Proverbs. Very interesting. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is by. That means he knows everything, Baba. I know is a constant word he will use. What is that? I know. I know. Have you seen in conversations? I know. I know. I know. That is the reason why even a fool is considered wise if he keeps his mouth shut. Another scary verse. 49 Proverbs. 
fools mock at sin. 10.23 Proverbs. To, to do evil is like sport to a fool. Bah. And 24-7. Wisdom is too lofty for a fool. <laughs> he does not open his mouth in the gate. Man, that means he has nothing to you say to people. Turn to Acts chapter 13, please. Love this. Love this man of God. Chapter 13. Verse 13 onwards. Now when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John departing from them returned to Jerusalem. This is Mark, John Mark, okay? From here onwards, Paul will, Paul's opinion about John Mark is gone and uh, finished. Uska, <laughs> almost hoga uska, <laughs> ministry career. But that's not, that's not the, the point of this, of this today's teaching. And when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. They just kept their mouth shut and they sat down in the synagogue. And after the reading of the law, and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent them saying, Men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Why? And Paul stood up and motioning with his hand. Yeah, this guy is always under control, no? Acts chapter 22 maybe. All the Jews come to him. He motions with his hand. You fellas, come here, come here, come here, come here. He's not scared. Do you have a word? Do you have a word of exhortation? Do you have a word of exhortation? Isaiah chapter 50. Hmm? Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 5. Actually verse 4 onwards. The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak. What? A word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my hear to hear. As a learned. As a, as a disciple. Therefore, 24-7 of Proverbs. You know what it says? Wisdom is too lofty for a fool. He does not open his mouth in the gate. You know what the what gate means what? Gate is a place where judgment takes place. He does not have a, have a word for people to, so that they can judge themselves. Because wisdom is too lofty for him. What wisdom? He's not talking about wisdom means worldly wisdom. He's talking about wisdom which, which comes from God. Because the wisdom which comes from God is first what? Peaceable. Easy to be entreated. Does not show any partiality. He's full of mercy and good works. Etc, etc, etc. Seven pillows. Amos chapter 5 verse 10. <laughs> they hate the one who rebukes in the gate. Why, why am I using this word? 
Let's go back to uh, Psalm 107 hmm? and verse uh, 17 onwards. Now we'll come to Amos chapter 5 verse 10. <clears throat> Fools because of their transgression and because of their in, 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 iniquities were afflicted. They, their soul abhorred all manner of food. What food do they abhor, Baba? And they drew near to the gates of death. What, what is that food they abhor? When you see that, you'll, you think that, you know, uh, because of uh, affliction, they have lost appetite for food. No. Shar. Word for gate is, of course, Shar. Amos chapter 5 verse 10 now. It says, they hate the one who rebukes in the gate. And they abhor the one who speaks uprightly. What did they hate? What did they loathe? All manner of good food. What The word of God, no? Turn with me to Numbers chapter 21. And verse 4 and 5. <laughs> When they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go, go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And they spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food, no water and our soul loathes this worthless bread. Adi loathing ante. What are they loathing? They are loathing the word of God. Their soul loathes. You know, one of the things that I always um, know when you are spiritually low or rather when you have actually uh, um, lost your uh, spiritual strength, turn with me to Romans chapter 8, I'll tell you. Verse 5, 6, 7, and 8. Actually, they are brought how close to the gates of what? Death, right? For those who live according to the flesh, it's okay, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death's. When you lose your appetite for the word of God, when you lose your appetite for fellowship, when you lose your appetite for the things of God, when you lose your appetite to win souls for the kingdom of God, that desire to win souls and strengthen souls for the kingdom of God, what have, what has you, what have you become? You have become carnally minded and therefore you are close to what? Death. And you know what? God allows situations in your life. Let's go to Psalm 107 verse 19. Uh, sorry. 17 onwards again. Fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food. Remember Jesus says, right? Don't labor for the food that perishes. 
Labor for the food that will bring to it, that will bring you to eternal life. And your fathers ate manna in the desert and they died. They were fat in their bodies and lean in their souls because they hated all manner of food. They hated it. And they were close to death, spiritual death. Verse 19 now. Then they cried out to the Lord in their distresses and he saved them out of all, uh, in their trouble and they saved them out of all their distresses. How? Ha, we all quote this verse very well, no? He sent forth his word and healed them. Oh! Ultimately the solution is what? The word of God. He sent his word and healed them and he delivered them from all their destructions and verse 10, verse uh, 21, oh, the men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And verse 22, let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. So, so what is the solution for all our troubles? One thing, coming back to this and saying, Lord, I want to be guided by this. What you say, I will obey. And I will truly experience deliverance in my life. Let's go back to Psalm 107 now. We'll see the last kinds of people. So first category of people we saw are wanderers. Second category of people we saw are what? People who what? Despise the counsel of the Most High. They were prisoners. First are wanderers. Second are prisoners. Third are fools. (laughs) Wanderers, prisoners, fools. And finally, we have merchants. Wanderers, prisoners, Fools and merchants. All need deliverance. Wanderers, fools, uh, sorry, wanderers, prisoners, fools and merchants. Okay. That's a good title. Wanderers, prisoners, fools and merchants. Okay, let's see. I don't know. Maybe you can. Those who go down to the sea in ships, (laughs) who do business in great waters. Okay. They see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. So what should they do? Immediately cry out to the Lord. (laughs) That's what they should do. (laughs) I'll tell you why they should cry out to the Lord. They see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the... You see only wonders in the deep. Now turn to Luke's Gospel chapter 5. You know where I'm going to, right? I don't know if you know where I'm going to. Verse 1 onwards. So it was as a multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Then he, when he stopped speaking, he said to the Simon, launch out into the... Ah, I'll show you what now. What am I going to show you in the deep? 
wonders okay <laughs> i'm going to show you wonders now launch out into the deep and let your nets for a catch and then he says but simon said to him master we have toiled all night and caught nothing nevertheless at your word we will we will let our nets down and when they had done this they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking and then what happened so they signaled their partners in the other boat and they came to help him and they came and filled both the boats so so that they began to sink and when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down on his knees and said, Lord, depart from me for I am a sinful man. So they should see the wonders of God in their deep and they should see their own heart. God showed Simon Peter in his heart and what happened to verse 9? You know what he says? Next verse. For he and his who, uh, and all who are with him were astonished at the catch of fish which he had taken do not be afraid, Jesus said. From now on, you will catch men. So what should the merchants do? Instead of catching fish, they should say, Lord, all the money I'm going to make, you know what I'm going to do? Luke's Gospel chapter 16. Are you there? Verse 8. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of the light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon that when you fail, they may receive you in the everlasting home. So meaning, use the money that God has given you for the kingdom of God, invest in the kingdom of God. Why, why store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not come in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is. So merchants go down to the ship. You know, merchants means this stands for economy. It stands for business. I think Zebulun is given that. Uh, given that gift prophecy. Okay, if you, I think if it's go, if you go to Genesis chapter 49, you don't have to turn there. Zebulun has given the ability to make money. Some people in the kingdom of God are given the ability to make money and God says, use the ability to make money because I give you the power to make wealth. Bhagyamunu sampadinchukunaduku samardhyamunu nenuku parasadistanu antar devudu. Yutiyabudesa kandamulu. Dutia Upadesamolo Yamantarante Bhagyamana Sampal in Chukanatoko Niku Samadhani Kalagisarante Samadh Samadhela who may we sing that song, no? Samadh power. I am the God who gives you the power to make wealth so that you can use the wealth for the extension of my kingdom. So you see the works of the Lord in the deep and you're making your money. You go down to the ships and then what happens? Go to go to 107 now. And verse 23. Those who go down to the sea in ships who do business in great waters. 90% if I'm right, almost. 80 to 90% of the world's business is done on ships. You know that, right? Merchant Navy is one of the most sought after careers if you want to make money. That was my ambition those days when I was a kid. Oh boy, I decided marine engineering. 
thank god i didn't go there <laughs> seriously i would really really wanted to become much an engineer and then okay they see the works of god of the lord and his wonders in the deep and then what happened what was 25 sorry 107 then what is you for he commands and raises the stormy wind which lifts up the waves of the sea they mount up to the heavens they go down again to the depths their soul melts because of trouble now it literally happened somebody is somebody i know of very well have you ever seen a ship in a storm you should go on youtube and see a ship in a storm it's not a pretty sight at all it goes like this and it comes like that it goes like this and it comes like that and just by seeing the video you will have an osea no i'm not kidding it's a fact the water just coming and pouring itself against the ships like that pour and those guys over there they'll be singing the songs and they'll be going up and down up and down nothing's going to happen to this as if nothing's going to happen they're literally in the eye of the storm of course these days we have weather warning signals and everything so that ships can you know put anchor but i know sometime back so many years back one of my very close relatives they caught in bay of bengal they got caught in the sea and they dropped anchor after they dropped anchor like yesterday pastor was talking about it i i could remember exactly that they didn't have two i think they had two anchors and you have have you ever seen an anchor you should see the anchor okay it's like almost like four or five tons that chain so they dropped anchor the wind was so powerful the entire boat uh, ship turned like this and the anchor's chains got tangled like that and you can imagine the force of the waters that's exactly happening to this world no today one corona virus everything is gone all the markets are plummeted to the ground nose dive have you ever seen oil being sold for 0 dollars a barrel oil has become dead cheap how is all brought through the ships merchant navy everything which we thought has gone a fantastic career now is all gone once upon a time is better to sit before the computer and do work from home like brother raj and all <laughs> everything stopped the economy has come crashing down because god allowed one storm they mount up to the heavens they go down to the depths again their soul melts because of trouble and look at what the next verse is this remarkable verse this this explanation they reel you know in 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 uh in kjv jesus they stagger to and fro like drunken men okay yeah it is there they reel to and fro and struggle stagger like drunken men and are there you know what the word for wits is they come to the end of their wisdom the word is hakoma which means wisdom 
The wisdom of this world has become absolute foolishness because God has commanded one storm. Gone. Come to their wits end. I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. I very, very well hope so. Think about it, my dear brothers. Think about it. What difference does it make if you are an MIT graduate right now? Or you are something else. I don't want to. Just, I mean, MIT people for people from MIT. MIT and the rest of the world is for them. Or let's say Caltech or Carnegie Mellon graduate or University of California Berkeley graduate. What difference does it make now? What difference does it make? All the wisdom of this world has become worthless. I was looking at Triplati's website. <laughs> March 20th, they packed their bags and asked everybody to leave. They're closing institutions of higher learning, research institutions. With all the research, they're saying, one small fellow whom we can't even see, we cannot tackle. We are powerless. Storm. Storms in the financial markets. Storms in the job market. Storm in the health sector. Storms in the insurance sector. Every company. From next year onwards, if you get coronavirus, we will not cover you. Finished. They will put it, no? For sure, doctor, you can say it. Insurance. Everything is gone for a toss. Because God allowed it. And what are they doing? They are reeling, staggering to and fro. Nobody has any clue. And they have come to their wits and the word is Hakuma. Their wisdom has become completely empty. They are bankrupt in their wisdom now. Verse 28. Then they cry out. Do they really cry out? How many people really cried out to the Lord in their troubles? Has at least the church cried out? Because they are supposed to be knowing the wisdom of the world. Wisdom of God. Look at what it says in Jeremiah chapter 8. Jeremiah chapter 9, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 to 24. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the richest man, rich man glory in his riches. All the mighty men are gone, the rich men are gone, the wise men are gone. All have become fools basically. But let him who glories, what should he do? Glory in this that he understands and he knows me. He knows me. Ultimately, that's what matters. What is the degree that matters? Do you know God or not? Simple. I know God. Know God? I know Him. That is the reason why Paul says, I know whom I have believed. And I am sure what I have entrusted into, into, into His hands, He is going to keep it until, until that day. I know. Do we know our God? Because it says, those who know their God will wax. And do mighty exploits, not the wisdom of this world, not the riches of this world, not the mighty of this world. That is the reason I says I have not chosen the mighty, I have not chosen the wise, I have not chosen the rich, noble, etc., etc. I have chosen the foolish things of this world, foolish things of this world. I don't, I don't want to say fools, foolish things of the world, so that I can confound the wise. 
that I might, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment and righteousness. I am the Lord exercising mercy or loving kindness or steadfast love or chesed, which is covenantal love, judgment and righteousness on the earth. For in these I delight. Parishodhana means research. Research God. If you search Him, you'll find Him. So they've come to their wits and they're reeling and staggering like drunken men, meaning all their wisdom has come to a standstill and has become absolutely bankrupt now. And will they say, Lord, do they cry out to the Lord? Will the world leaders cry out to the Lord? Will they come and say, what? will the church cry out to the Lord on their behalf? Think about that. Do we? Let's go back. Oh, Jeremiah chapter 8, before we go there. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 8. I like this now. This is beautiful. <laughs> you say you are wise, right? How can you say we are wise? How can you say we are wise and the law of the Lord is with us? Look, the false pen of the scribes certainly works falsehood. And the next verse. The wise men are ashamed. They are dismayed and taken. Behold, they have. Ultimately, everything has happened because they have rejected the word of the Lord. Everything. So what wisdom do they have? Answer. Enada, enna wisdom. No wisdom. What wisdom do they have? What wisdom do they have? That is the reason why Whenever you try to intellectualize the Bible or anything for that matter, what happens is that love builds up, knowledge puffs up. Puff and endi. What is puffing? There's nothing there. Hava hai andar. Gali. Hava. Air. Usiko bultana all India rank. Air. Tera hava kya hai re? All India rank bolte. Usko. Hawa. Bada hawa hai usko. Crazy. The wisdom is absolute foolishness. And what does God do? To all these merchants, He is making them stagger from one end to the other, trying to find a solution. But nobody will cry out to the Lord. I hope they will cry out. I have created the situation so that you will say, Lord, our wisdom is useless and nothing. Sometime back, there was a man I know very well. Okay. His wife had very bad sickness. She was scared. He asked me to pray. I prayed for him. So he went online and, uh, you know, he found some medicine, something, 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 medicine and, uh, when I went and talked to him, he said, you know something, this guy, this scientist who found this medicine is God to me. That's exactly how people speak. They will not say, you know what, I thank God I found him. 
you know, Paul is very, very interesting. No? He says, I thank my God for your faith, he says. <laughs> he never says, I thank you for your faith. No, 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 no. I thank my God for your faith. I thank my God for your obedience. Because nothing that you have, if it is positive, is got nothing to do with you. It hasn't has anything to do with you. It is because of the mercy and because of the grace of God. And we better come to terms with that. Otherwise, you know what? We'll be staggering like drunken men. Then what happens? Let's go back. They reel and stagger like drunken men and are at their wits end. I think God is still waiting for this to happen. Where? When their wisdom will become absolutely useless till that point. When all around my hope gives way. I mean, what all around my gives way, you alone are my hope and stay. Ultimately, you have to come to that point. When every earthly prop gives way. That's a good thing. When every earthly prop gives way, you alone are my hope and stay. When every earthly wisdom has given way, when we have come to our wit's end, and we said, Lord, all the knowledge and the gyan that I have obtained from this world is absolutely useless. It has got not got one, stre- one centimeter strength to take me to God. Then, then, we truly cry out. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. Why? Because they despise the word of the Lord and therefore they don't have any true wisdom. The wisdom has failed. And they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. And he brings them out of their distresses. And what happens? How how does he bring them out? He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired heaven. And then the next word, verse 31. Oh, the men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of elders. That means all the elders, all the assembly of the people, they should say, Lord, we have not been able to do this. I remember when uh, Israel in 1967 won the six-day war. Remember the six-day war? They went and preempted and they attacked the US, I mean, sorry, Egyptian uh, airbase. They destroyed the Egyptian airbase. Uh, Jordan, they, they messed up Jordan, Lebanon, Syria. All the countries within six days, they finished the war. And then you know what happened? The army generals, they went to the, the wailing wall and they put one prayer prayer thing, no? They put those prayer uh, small, small chits into that wailing wall. And you know what they said? It was God who helped us. It was nothing that we did. And they put that and started praising God. And in 67, Israel annexed Jerusalem and Jerusalem became the capital of Israel. 1967. Six day war. Let's go back and let's, let's finish the psalm. Just read this, okay? We are done. The time is up. He turns rivers into wilderness and the water springs into dry ground. A fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of those who dwell in it. 
he turns wilderness into pools of water and dry land into water springs. There he makes the hungry dwell that they may establish a city for a dwelling place. And so fields and plant vineyards so they may yield a fruitful harvest. He also blesses them and they multiply greatly and he does not let their cattle decrease. Verse 39 And when they are diminished and brought low through oppression, affliction and sorrow he pours contempt on princes and causes them to wander in the wilderness where they have no way, when there is where there is no way. And verse 41 says, Yet he sets the poor on high, far from affliction, and then makes their family like a flock. The righteous see it and rejoice, and all iniquity stops its mouth. Verse 43, Whoever is wise will observe these things and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. That is redemption. What is true redemption? When you come to your wit's end and say, Lord, I give up. I give up. All my wisdom is foolishness. All my wisdom is foolishness. So this morning, can we stand up? Maybe you're a wanderer because you despised the word of God. Maybe you're imprisoned by lusts of the flesh and by bad habits because you despise the counsel of the Most High. And maybe you're afflicted with a disease in your soul because of because you you did not have the fear of the lord for it is a fear of the lord which is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction or maybe you're a merchant who's trusted in your own wisdom who's trusted in your own strength and your intelligence and you were brought low because god has allowed a storm to come into your life But will you cry out? All these had to cry out. The only solution is God. He alone is able to still those storms and bring us to our desired heavens. Oh, that we would truly find Him and seek Him and search for Him. Even though he is not too far from us. The word of faith is close to you, close to you, even in your mouth. If you believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ, and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved and you will be brought to your desired heaven. But have you come to the point where you are at your wit's end? Joseph's brothers had to come to their wit's end when all their food failed in the promised land. That they could be driven to Joseph and be redeemed. Have you come to the point where you have tried and tried and tried and said, Lord, I give up. 
Have you come to the point like that woman who was struggling with that issue of blood for blood for 12 years and she spent all her money on physicians and she was not healed. But then she said, I will but go and touch the hem of his garment. She came to her wit's end. Have we come to our wit's end? The hymn writer will say, when we have come to the end of our hoarded resources, our father's giving has only begun. His love has no measure. His grace has no limits. His love no boundaries known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Will you come to him this morning? Or will you still wait for the Lord to bring you to your, to your wit's end? If you don't have God, you have nothing. He who has a son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life, but the wrath of God abides in him. Then this morning, let's say, Lord, I desire to know you, Lord. You, you, Lord, you. Lord, you, Lord. And you said, Lord, that you are close to the brokenhearted. You are a God who says, I am the Lord who lives, who is high and lofty, who dwells in eternity, but also with him who is of a humble and a contrite spirit and those who tremble at my word. And Lord, may you find this morning people who will tremble at their word, who have come to their wit's end. To that end, I pray that you would bless this word. And bring us all out of our distresses and our troubles. That, so that we may give thanks to the Lord for His good, for His mercy, endures forever. We thank you, we praise you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.